You're listening to Speaker's Corner with Alfie Joey. Please welcome your host, Alfie Joey. Hello, welcome to Speaker's Corner with me, Alfie Joey. Tips, tools and tactics from some of the best. Uh, Cherry picked by me, people I've come across from all sorts of different ways of public speaking or speaking in public because there are many. And sometimes you'll do a course or sometimes you'll you'll look at how public speaking should be done. It'll be in one very particular way. Well, I've decided from my experience, there are many, many different ways you can speak in public. So I've got a great cross section of speakers. Today's guest, absolutely brilliant. I've been bowled over by her content, by her book, by her podcast. That's how I first discovered Sarah Pittendrig, and she's got a brilliant podcast. It's called Formidable Over 40, but it's not just for you if you're over 40. I would say her speakers, her guests are from all different walks of life, as am I. She's a multiple founder, a franchiser, a CEO, a serial investor. She's a talker, mindset coach, a mentor, brilliant, brilliant, award-winning business person. But all of this comes from a rich tapestry of highs and lows. She's a cancer survivor. She's a survivor of bankruptcy. She's someone whose business failed, but then she turned everything around, as she will tell you. Um, I asked Sarah just to take me through some of the challenges she'd had, because, boy, as I've just mentioned, she really did have to turn things around. And in a book, which I really recommend, The I Can Method, She's been very candid about mistakes she's made in the past and how close to disaster a life was. How bad did things get? How did she put things right? Well, things got pretty bad. Um, I ended up a bankrupt single mum on income support uh, when my business partners and I lost our business in 2008. The result of that was that we didn't only lose our business, but... My home was also repossessed within my bankruptcy. In order to turn things around, one of the main things I had to do was alter my mindset. Um, and the bankruptcy and losing my business had a negative effect on my mental health. I suffered from extreme imposter syndrome, lack of confidence. And to be very honest, I got to a point where I was nearly agoraphobic. The turning point for me came when the sand timer had nearly ran out and the bank came to value my home. Um, As the guy came through the the garden gate, um, as I say, to to literally start valuing my home for the um, auction, that's when it literally hit me that if I didn't get out of my fix, if I didn't move my mindset then I was actually going to lose my home. I couldn't just keep sitting, hiding away, wound licking. I had to get up and get on and do something to fight for my home to ensure that my son had a secure and stable future. I've got to say, that situation puts the fear of God into me. I don't know how I would have reacted. It is some story, some scary story, but turn it round, she did. This is how. With a background in marketing and events, I had identified a gap in the market for specialist event linen, chair decor and table linen for weddings and corporate events. The service that I'd had whilst working in the industry had been very poor. 
and I believed that I could offer a higher quality service and still um, provide it at an affordable price. So with nothing else to lose, I thought it would be um, a great idea to sit down and write a business plan because if it didn't do anything, what it was going to do was to give me a focus and something positive to do rather than dwell. So that's exactly what I did. I sat down at the dining room table and I started to write a business plan. I just pretended that I had all the money and all the I's dotted and the T's crossed and that it would, you know, it would be absolutely brilliant. It would work, even though I actually didn't have any of those things in place at all. I didn't even have a bank account. But I thought, look, just write the business plan as if you have and then let's see where the journey takes us. One of the other things I did, because I had to start going outside and, and, and not allow this agoraphobia to take hold, was to get a little lurcher puppy. I um got him out of the free ads paper, the old yellow paper that we used to get in the northeast. And getting that puppy made me have to go outside every day and walk him. And I used to do that with my mum. And when I was doing that, mum and I used to brainstorm about the business and I used to share with her my ideas and ask her her opinions and then I'd come back to the dining room table and write out what we'd been talking about I'd feel inspired I'd feel energized from being outside and from walking and then I you know I'd keep working on the business plan until one day I'd actually got it finished um, I looked at it and I thought, yes, this is an absolute, you know, goer. I could see all of the opportunity with the business. I could see that it could work. But the big problem was I was on income support. I had no money. My house was about to be repossessed. Um, I didn't have a bank account. So how on earth was I supposed to be able to get this business uh, kickstarted? One of the things I did was I went around um, all of the, the local banks um, asking them if they would help me, if they would provide me um, with a bank account to, to get started. But on the back of my bankruptcy, there was no high street banks that I went to who would support me. So um, feeling very um, negative and um, sort of, you know, thinking that I was just never going to be able to get it off the ground. Um, one of the things I was able to do was go through my old um, address book and in it I found a, um, a local small business support agency in Hexham and I gave them a call and asked them for some advice and what did they think I could do. I told them about my idea and, and that I had a business plan and they also offered um, to a number of businesses a small business grant. So they invited me in to present my business plan and see if they would be in a position to help me. So that's what I did. I went into Hexham and I met a wonderful person at Business Link. I presented my business plan and they thought it was a fabulous idea. And then a couple of weeks later, they got back in touch with me to say that they would offer me a small business grant. And this grant would be an absolute lifesaver. It would be enough to get the business started, to get some samples made and to um, basically get um, a small website made so that I had a presence and some marketing materials. So once I had the grant, um, I also, it wasn't enough, but it was a, a really good start. I gathered together any possessions of value that I had left 
and I sold them all, my 18th birthday jewellery, my 21st birthday jewellery, and as I say, anything else that I had, so that I could start, um, you know, get some money together to try and start getting some samples of this chair decor and table linen, um, so that I could go out and pitch to, you know, local hotels and businesses. Um, the next thing I had to do, though, if I was going to trade, was I had to try and get a bank account. Otherwise, the business just couldn't operate. So I actually typed into Google, how do you get a business account or a bank account when you are bankrupt? And there was a forum came up and it offered, uh, suggested, sorry, the co-op bank. So I got in touch with the co-op bank and they very kindly offered me a bank account. Obviously, I wouldn't have any overdraft or credit facilities, but I got a debit card and that meant that I was in a position to trade because I could buy things, obviously, using the, the debit card. I could lodge money in the bank. My clients would be able to pay me. So now we've got a business plan. We've got a bank account. We've got a small grant. We're able to um, get some samples made and very nearly ready to trade. I named the business simply Bows and Chair Covers because I wanted it to be very clear about what we did. I didn't want to be a jack of all trades because I saw that by being a specialist in chair decor and table linen that I could get the support of other suppliers such as florists and the local cake makers and um, stationers etc. So rather than going out in competition with them all by as I say being that jack of all trades by being a specialist and delivering a high-end product um, I could get other professionals on board was the idea and that we would be able to cross-refer and collaborate. Um, the business, well, I, I took it out to the local hotels in the northeast. Um, the, the, the target market were very much country-style hotels and, um, you know, weddings at home in marquees and so forth. I pitched my idea. The whole idea for me was to get rid of the pain points that I knew the clients were, were suffering with. And that was hotels having to fit the chair covers because in the past, other suppliers weren't willing to fit them. And that's where I saw a real USP in the market was to fit them so that the hotels who were very busy already on wedding days wouldn't have that extra workload. The hotels loved the idea and very quickly, Simply Bows and Chair Covers became a, a main supplier of chair decor and table linen in the northeast. Now, the sand timer was still going for the house to be repossessed, but because in 2008 the housing market had crashed, um, it was in such turmoil that there was no real urgency to evict us from our home. So as the time was sort of on my side, the business was starting to, to pick up momentum and grow. And at this point, um, this is where we sort of thought, well, hang on, there's potential here to try and save save the home because not only did was the business starting to grow, but my mortgage rate changed. And where I'd been paying a large mortgage, my mortgage went down to a very small amount. And it meant that for what the house was going to um, be in a mortgage, I wouldn't have been able to rent somewhere. So as we saw the business growing, my dad said to me, look, if you think you could save your home and start paying your mortgage, 
and you could speak to the bank and try and get your house back, I would lend you the arrears so that you can, you know, get caught back up with your mortgage again. And if the bank will do the deal rather than it going to auction and be in negative equity, maybe they'd prefer you to keep your house and start paying your mortgage again. So I got on the phone to the mortgage company, uh, pitched with my life, and that's exactly what they did. I showed them my business plan and my forecast and, and that I had all these new clients on board and they agreed to um, to hand my house back to me as long as I paid my arrears, started paying my mortgage and I had to give a pound to the court for them to transfer the house back into my name. So that was the main turning point for me was to be able to get our home back because that was when, you know, I knew I had a stable base to work from and, uh, you know, to, to build my business from. What were her first experiences of speaking in public? As my um, Simply Bows and Chair Covers business grew, I started winning uh, lots of national awards. I won Most Promising Business in the United Kingdom uh, in 2012 at the Guildhall in London. And on the back of that, plus winning the Northeast Business Awards and all of those, etc., I started to get um, asked to uh, speak. And I did quite a bit of speaking for the Entrepreneurs Forum um, in Newcastle. So I would speak at, um, you know, business events, after dinner events and enterprise events. We'll have a quick break and a word from our sponsor. The North East Nibble Project is a not-for-profit organisation founded by two North East permanent makeup artists, Megan Jones and Amanda Patterson. Their aim is to provide free areola tattooing for women who've undergone a mastectomy and breast reconstruction as a result of breast cancer to help regain confidence and empower these courageous women. To register for this service or to donate, visit their website www.northeastnipples.co.uk and follow on Instagram at Northeast Nipple Project. Right, back to the podcast. Wow, it's deeply dramatic, isn't it? This could be a, a film or a, some kind of TV drama. All those highs and lows and that sacrifice. You know, selling her own jewellery, her own precious items, just to get to the next phase, to become a success. So she's a success. How did she turn that into speak and work? And what were her first, Sarah's first experiences of speaking in public? What does she remember about that? Um, speaking in public was something that I found very, very difficult. Um, I had, um, as I mentioned earlier, suffered from agoraphobia and it was very much about shame and fear of being seen in public and speaking up after losing the business and being bankrupt. I felt that I'd been judged and that everybody was talking about me and I saw myself as a as a failure, I felt worthless. So I had real imposter syndrome about speaking in public and sharing my story. Even though I was a multi-award winning entrepreneur, I couldn't shake off the fact that we'd uh, my partners and I had lost a business in 2008. So for all um, people were celebrating my success, it wasn't something I was able to do for a very long time afterwards. Nice mention there for the, the Entrepreneurs Forum who've been very good to me as well and given me a break in, in many, many ways. So it's nice to hear 
they're mentioned there. I wonder what Sarah's favourite parts of speaking in public were and are what was most challenging, certainly in those first appearances on stage. So my most favourite um, element of speaking in public, believe it or not, is always the Q&A. I love to have done my speech and then um, to have that interaction with the audience. I love to hear what sort of questions they've got and um, I try to give as much value back as I can to help and to support them. In terms of preparation into making a speech, um, it depends what the client's asking for. Some clients don't want any slides and therefore I just go along and and just speak really um, subject to the brief. Um, If they want slides and a presentation, I try to make it as least wordy as possible and more visual, um, certainly more heavy on photographs than on text. The foundation of my talk is pretty much the same. It's all about overcoming adversity and, you know, sharing how I went from losing a seven-figure business, seven business to building a multi-award winning six-figure franchise business to then um, developing a multi-million pound property business with my husband. And then obviously how I've gone on to to pay forward through my coaching, mentoring, and then becoming an author and a podcaster. So it very much depends on what the person is you know whoever's hired me to speak what they want the topic to be but his you know intrinsically the link is very much um sharing my my story it's about my own mindset um to get me onto the stage how i look at it is i think uh, through a growth mindset that i am here to add value and by sharing my story I might just be able to help somebody else. And even if I only help one person through sharing my story, then it's absolutely worth overcoming the nerves to get up onto that stage and do it. So the fixed mindset would have said, no, I'm too anxious, I'm not doing it. But the growth mindset says, get up there and do it. Because as I say, sharing your story might just, you know, change somebody else's life. Some uh, really interesting I would say advice in here. I think that's a really good point about when you have slides, make them more pictures than words because you're doing the words. Maybe people remember the images. Um, I, I tend not to use slides at all, but if I was going to, that's what it would be. It would be pictures, not words. Now, Sarah, might not surprise you, is a successful mindset coach. She's been through the mill so much. I suppose she's got so much experience to draw from here so i asked her what part does this play in public speaking can confidence be taught and how can you overcome nerves that old chestnut in terms of can confidence be taught i would say that if someone has got self-limiting beliefs if someone is lacking in confidence then rather than teaching it it's more about understanding the root of the cause so using my the i can methodology what what I would be doing with someone who isn't confident is working backwards with them in very small steps to try and understand what the root is, where did the root get implanted in this person to make them feel that they are lacking in confidence or how why do they have imposter syndrome or why have they got a self-limiting belief? Can they identify a specific time in their life 
that made them feel that they, you know, that that they lacked confidence that actually, you know, took away their self-confidence. To be honest, I don't think you should try to overcome nerves or expect that you can. There's two sides to nerves. There's what I call positive nerves, and that's like me getting on stage to speak. You know, you would expect a little bit of nerves because if you weren't nervous, potentially maybe you didn't care. I think nerves in that instance are good. So nerves where you're nervous but you still push on and do it, that's what I maybe call positive nerves and and very understandable. The nerves that stop you doing anything and restrict you from achieving your goals or realising your potential, well, then they're the nerves that you need to understand where, and that goes back to that lack of self-confidence, those self-limiting beliefs. Where did those nerves come from? What was it that made you feel that way? And then working out why you feel that way and then baby steps forward to overcome them. Great stuff on nerves there. I agree with nearly everything Sarah was saying. And she mentioned there the I can method. Her method is all brilliantly laid out in her book. I love Sarah's podcast, Formidable Over 40. It was my introduction to her. I love it. It's really good. It's fairly self-explanatory in in the title as to who she chooses. Why did she turn to the medium of podcast? Well, I just think podcasting is such a great way to meet like-minded people who can then share their story. So, um, and and also by choosing the medium of podcast, it's it's engaging in conversation, and I think for people to actually hear people speaking and and sharing the story you get the emotion and you get the feeling and you know and you can understand more i think about the um the person whereas when you know if i just did it as interviews as maybe as a blog piece well i just don't think you get that um that sort of i don't know how to describe it really but that as i say that that feeling so uh for me it's very much about um engaging in the conversation uh, I think the flow's better um, it's interesting and um, you know and it's got personality and the title tells you who the guests are formidable formidable over 40 and she's passionate as I am about a theme I really like you're never too old to go for it I, I love this I didn't get into comedy till I was in my 30s radio in my 40s panto art public speaking really in my 50s why Why does she feel passionate about this message? I know why I am. Why is Sarah passionate about it? The reason I'm so passionate about um, Formidable Over 40 is because I was 40 when I felt that I found myself. So um, at 40, I obviously set up Simply Bows and Chair Covers. I became multi-award winning. And through my 40s is when I started to grow. So until then... I kind of believe, looking back, that I was a shadow of my former self and I wasn't really living to live. I was more existing um, and I wasn't facing my demons, whereas in my 40s, I started to get the confidence and the courage to try and understand myself more and to find out why I had anxiety, why I had such self-limiting beliefs throughout my my life, to, really, and um, I definitely think going into my forties 
were were the best years of my life and um and I speaking to to my friends and and people in business who I've worked with many have said that they found themselves at 40 and that's when they really felt that um you know they started to shape a life for themselves and that's what I'm very passionate about I want anybody who's in midlife and feels stuck to realize that you're never too old and it's never too late to design a life you love makes a good guest and a good communicator for me it's somebody who will speak with authenticity it's somebody who isn't trying to be somebody they're not it's someone who's prepared to share their story um and just someone who's got a great personality a great story to share um as i say no doubt they've been through adversity they've come out the other side and they're just interesting, genuine and relatable. And finally, I ask all guests to recommend maybe one person from their own journey, maybe a friend, a mentor, an old colleague, acquaintance, who would be a good guest on Speakers Corner podcast. There's many um, speakers out there who who I've found, you know, very influential and, and interesting. Um, I'm a big follower of Mel Robbins. I think she's absolutely brilliant um, and is, is, you know, doing wonderful things um, for, you know, empowering, empowering women. I love the Stephen Bartlett uh, podcast, The Diary of a CEO. He's always got some fantastic guests on there. Um, Holly Tucker through the pandemic with her podcast, absolutely fantastic um, and, and continues to champion small women. She's she's absolutely phenomenal um, in the work that she's doing. There's so many good people. I've had some incredible guests on my own podcast, Andrew McLean and her husband, Nick Feeney. I've had uh, Elna Mills, former editorial director of the Sunday Times, um, you know, there's just some absolutely amazing people on there. Um, Leah Turner, who was just absolutely smashing LinkedIn. Um, I'm in, I'm influenced by people from all different walks of life. And, you know, many of them aren't famous. You know, um, my family, you know, they inspire me. You know, my, my, my husband has been a huge support to me. My son inspires me every day with his... The way, his talent and you know the way he he's been so successful with his horses um yeah i just feel that i'm i'm very blessed to be surrounded by so many um influential people in my everyday life and on the podcast sarah's interviewed some great speakers and she had brilliant guests like andrea mclean from loose women breakfast telly star i asked her what for her makes a brill communicator if you listen to my Formidable Over 40 podcast, you will hear some incredibly inspiring midlife women. The most recent one is Leah Turner. Leah isn't actually 40. She's nearly 40, but not quite. Um, but she is one of the most inspiring people I think I've had the, the pleasure of meeting. And I think it would be really uh, worthwhile you're listening to that interview and if you can get the opportunity to get Leah on your podcast then I think it would be um, I think it would be fantastic well there you have it I'll have to get Leah on the podcast thanks again hope you enjoyed Sarah's message a story or advice and I guarantee you'll enjoy 
her book is called The I Can Method by Sarah Pittenrig, and she's on LinkedIn, she's on Twitter. Um, a, a Twitter name is a little bit different. It's a shorter version of her name, Sarah, with an H, Pittendry1. So that's P-I-T-T-E-N-D-R-I-1. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a good review. As with all podcasts you enjoy, if you leave a review and you spread it and share it with your friends, we'll have much more chance of more people enjoying it. We'll have another good guest for you next time. Thank you very much.